in today's show. It's Centre Tears. Matt Smith is here with us, as is Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Last tier show this is. We're looking at centers. We've done the other positions, point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward. Two of those last week, two of those in the last 24 hours. So you can check those ones out on the uh, feed or over on the channel. And now we're going to talk centers. And of course, to do that, I'm joined once again by the croaky-voiced Matt Smith. Matt, welcome. Thanks, Josh. I'm hanging in there. I know Michael Jordan had his flu game, and now I've got my my flu pod. So I'm sure um, it's going to exal- be exalted in the same way that Jordan's flu game was. I've got no doubt about that. Now we're going to talk centers, one of the more annoying positions to deal with in fantasy basketball. Just a quick reminder, please don't. If you've got a choice, don't play a two center league on Yahoo. The centers are so weird, and there's just not enough good ones that having to fill two of them, when you don't have to fill two of any other position, is uh, nonsensical. So don't do it, please. Let's talk centers. Um, I guess the good thing with centers is, Matt, is that if you've got pick one, you, you know you're going to get one. And he's the best one in the game. He's the best player in the game, Nikola Jokic. There's no need to to overthink it. Lock him in, the triple-doubles, crazy efficiency. Um, yeah, number one player in the game for the last couple of seasons, and and will be again this season. But I do want to ask you one question, Josh. If you had to make a case for any other player to finish at number one by the end of the season, who would it be and why? I was just going to ask you the exact same question, so that annoys me that you uh, asked me that. Who would it be who can take that off him? Hmm. While you're thinking, because I've thought about this, my answer is actually going to be James Harden. I think we've seen him, we've obviously seen him done it before, but if he can get back to 25 points per game, seven rebounds, 10 assists, obviously over a steal, the field goal percentage comes back up, he gets to two and a half to three threes. I just think James Harden, if we're trying to make a case for anyone, he would be the one player that I would lean towards. He, he It was going to be him or Luca to me, because if Luca just became like an 80% free throw shooter and had a season out of the blue where he averaged 1.4 steals, then then he's he's there, right? Like um, yeah. Harden, yeah, if he averages yeah, 20, I was going to say 26 points or 27 points, if he averages that like 27, 8 and 10, and he in the past has been a, a really good steals and blocks guy as well, um, yeah, really easily. But yeah, you're not taking anyone else at number one. In a points league, I think Giannis can finish number one really easily, like without... Any question, I think I actually have Giannis projected half a point higher than Jokic per game because we forget that Jokic did play last season without Murray and without Porter. And yes, the year before that, Jokic was still number one, but it's there's no guarantee that he continues at that same level. Um, every year, there might be a marginal drop-off. Any weird things can happen at any point. Um, you don't take anyone else at number one. Just get that clear. You don't do it. But 
there's no guarantee that he finishes at number one. I think that's what we're, we're trying to uh, get across there. Number two is pretty easy as well. Tier two, Joel Embiid. Um, what does Embiid need to do, Matt, to get you not worried about injuries? Uh, play 74 games in a season. He's never played 70. I think I think he was no. 68 with a couple of bullshit rests last season, yeah. um, which was pretty close. Uh, and he had COVID in that as well. So last season, 68 games, I think it was for Embiid last season. For all intents and purposes, with the way that last season went, 68 games is like a 74-game season, really, um, given the way that yeah, there was just random absences for players all throughout the year. But yeah, I think... Yeah, does he need, so he needs to do it probably two years in a row, you reckon? I mean, I want to see one, like awesome season. I want to see Joel Embiid play, yeah, 74, 75 games, you know, this season, still be a top three player. And then, you know, that will give me the the extra confidence I need. Like right now I still have him at pick five just because on a per game value, like he's still probably, he's still, still going to be a top three player. But, you know, yeah, having Joel Embiid on my roster is going to give me some headaches and some sleepless nights and, and really not be good for my health, Josh. But, um, you know, yeah, one one season of 74 games and, and I'll be set. Speaking of not good for your health, tier three. <laughs> what, 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 what do we do with this guy? Like, honestly, he has put together, you talk about Joel Embiid, he has put together multiple, I think, 75-game seasons in a row. He has done it about two or three years ago. Um, not only is Davis getting hurt a lot now, but he can't shoot anymore. Can't shoot free throws. He hit 18% of his threes. Last season, so despite you know, the injuries were a real problem, but his per game ranking also wasn't good. Like it wasn't like he was oh he was third per game, and yeah he just missed fifty games. Like he was twentieth per game and missed fifty games or, or whatever the actual number was. He was fifteenth per game and shot eighteen percent from three and seventy percent. Like he's turning into a legitimate punt free throw guy, which is baffling when he was the number one guy in fantasy for a couple of years. Yeah, and. And that's the thing, like, people love Dynasty content. Mm -hmm. And Anthony Davis is the poster boy for why Dynasty content is so difficult. Because not only do we have all the different variation in leagues, like you said, two or, what, three, four, five years ago, Anthony Davis was clearly the number one player in fantasy. It's like saying, it's like sitting here now and saying in, what are we now, 2025, Nikola Jokic will be drafted at 16. Yeah, like that's that's the level of drop off that Anthony Davis has had, and yes, he's moved teams, but it's just been it's just been the injuries and and like you said, the performance. He can't make free throws now. He doesn't like rebounding, and oh yeah, that dropped way off as well. It's just it's just a complete yeah mind boggling situation. So, uh, yeah, I I don't have any level of confidence drafting him in in the second round, unfortunately. In the past. When you ask me that question, yeah, who do you think, if things go right, could have been the number one player? Like, we would have just said Anthony Davis, right? Like, oh, yeah, Davis was hurt, but if we take a flyer on him at pick 10, he's got number one upside. I, I don't think that's true anymore. I, I don't think that, I, I don't think that even if he played 70 games and played 34 minutes a night, I don't think he could get to number one, weirdly enough, with the drop in rebounds, the drop in um, three point shooting, the weird drop in free throws. I don't know that he's got that. He's, he's going to turn 30 in a few months. I, I don't know if he's got that in his game. Um, yeah. And that's annoying. And, and, and that's the problem again, like his age and he's got, um, you know, Luca and LaMelo Ball and 
you know, Halliburton and Cade Cunningham's coming through and all these young guys who are going to take the top five and six spots in fantasy over the next couple of years. So I'd, I can't I can't see the bounce back either. It's unfortunate, but this stuff happens. We're going to get to tier four in just a second. Before I do that, BetOnline is your number one source for all of your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. The Panthers, despite almost being the Browns, are one-point underdogs against the New York football giants on the weekend. Do you care about that? Well, if you do, you can find all the odds for that and all of week two of the NFL over at Bet Online, including college football. Should have given you a college football odds, but it's all right. We gave you NFL. You can go check all the league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this week's Week 2 action. This year's Week 2 action, in fact. BetOnline is also your continued source for all sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And it's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite sports, including Major League Baseball, MMA, Boxing, and Golf. Head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. BetOnline is where the game starts. Now, we had a bit of a chat about this, Matt, before the show about Tier 4, and said oh, we probably would after you published the tiers on Basketball Monster a few weeks ago, you'd probably be moving this guy down. But this also ties into a discussion we had in the uh, Power Forward tier, the value of blocks. We do have a tier four here, Kristaps Porzingis, because this is a top 15 player. All right, okay. Is there, What's the odds of Porzingis finishing ahead of Anthony Davis this year per game? I actually think they're pretty good. Yeah, I did too. I, I, think, they're, I think he's a real... Mass, look, he was unbelievable in those games that he played for Washington. Now that was without Beal. And we still need to see how that goes. Um, but we have genuine concerns. But you talk about the scarcity of blocks. After him, there's a couple of guys that it gets... like you you got to start rolling the dice. And the reason we'd push him down a little bit now um, is just because you don't have to get him anywhere near this area. Like yeah. You can get him in the 50s in most spots, and I think that's really, really strong value. But the, the value of blocks is so, so... They're so scarce, Matt. Yeah, and like you said, I mean, I wrote um, the articles and put these tiers out a few weeks ago now, and they are due for updating, and, and now in hindsight, we'll bump Porzingis down. But, I mean, and we spoke about Evan Mobley and blocks in the power forward tiers, and just to maybe swing back around on that, again, like when we are looking at blocks and, and just sorting um, the projections on basketball and wants to buy blocks per game. We've got Miles Turner and, and Robert Williams up the top who we're pretty comfortable with. Like I said, Turner, I'd like to, him to play a few more games. And Robert Williams has had some injury concerns as well over the last couple of seasons. And a few more rebounds from Miles Turner would be nice. We also don't know if he's going to stay at Indiana. Mm. Rudy Gobert is next on the list. And, and maybe as we speak through this, maybe we are undervaluing Rudy Gobert a little bit because we both expect him to do pretty much exactly the same as what he did in Utah. Um, but it feels like you're getting a bit of a discount this year. Then you've got Jaron Jackson Jr., who we have no idea when he's going to play. Got Isaiah Jackson, who is in a backup role. If Miles Turner gets moved and no one comes back, then Isaiah Jackson's going to blow up. Anthony Davis, we've just spoken about his struggles. Then you've got, you know, Mitch Robinson, a Kessler Walker, a Nick Claxton, a JaVale McGee, a Brooke Lopez, a Mo Bumba, like, all of these guys are ideally a third, fourth string um, big men. Jakob Pertl sitting in there, but free throw issues. Then again, Evan Mobley, 1.7 blocks. Yes, the free throws are an issue, but he's he's almost like a top five, like safe big man in terms of blocks. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird category. There's, there's a couple of ways you can approach it. You can either get these guys early or you can 
be understanding that the guys that you there are some guys late who will block shots and bef- someone's going to jump on you matt and tell you that it's not kessler walker it's walker kessler so i'll tell you that yeah, i'll tell you yeah. that now just because someone will jump on it for sure um so you can do it two ways you can grab the guys now and get the, the players like Paul Zingas. If he plays 60 games, it's great value. Like you get Embiid who blocks shots and has got good free throws and, and that sort of stuff. Um, or you can just get a bunch of guys who shoot unbelievably high free throws early and get assists and then take a plunge on Clinker Pella or take Yucca Pertle or take Mitchell Robinson, knowing they're going to hurt your free throws, but you've built enough buffer up that it doesn't hurt you there. Um, so that that's a, a different way of going about it. I do agree with you a little bit here on Gobert that I think we might be under... Or these tiers might be undervaluing him a little bit, and we probably bump him into like yeah. Ideally, we push Porzingis down, um, even into the same range with the guys that are in tier five. But it's all going to depend on how you want to strategize your draft. And when we look at tier five, we've, we've got Rob Williams. There's Sabonis there, who's not a guy that gets blocks. There's Siakam, who's also not a guy that gets blocks. And there's Bam Adebayo, who's also not a guy that gets blocks. So three center players here who just don't block shots. And yeah, if you want to prioritize blocks from your center, then you got Gobert and Turner, like spoiler alert, they're in the next tier because the uncertainty around Turner, minutes, injuries, and Gobert with that bad free throw. But again, if you don't care about the free throws, if you're dealing with a different way, like the value of those guys probably jumps ahead of a lot of these players in, in tier five. And it is it is a real mishmash that we got four in tier five here. We had Puzingas in four. We got three in tier six. They could all just be really in one big tier. Yeah, I think they, I think they couldn't, and maybe this is the reason why people are going early on Robert Williams, and we've seen mm. him go in the late second and yeah, early. I've third gone early on before of drafts because people want that elite shot blocking without the big hits of free throw. But then the issue is Josh that Robert Williams is only averaging ten points a game, and mm-hmm. he's giving you a massive hit in points and we know that you need points early so like what do we do do we get points do we get blocks like it's it's, it's tough it's, it's really difficult what, what i did in that draft where i took rob williams i think it was in the second round so i had Giannis in round one so blocks already with good scoring um i think rob williams actually got at the start of the third i picked second or third or whatever so it was you know close to that then i took sabonis again good scoring and then i took in round four zion like really good scoring so that sort of buffered that rob williams um uh, poor poor scoring category, poor points category, um, and while also not worrying about any hit that he had in field goal or free throw percentage while boosting my field goal percentage really, really high with that team enabling me to get some um, other players who maybe suffered a little bit in that area. But that's what so much of Category League Fantasy Basketball is about. It's about not necessarily who the best player is, but how it fits with what you've done and with what's coming as well. Not about what, what's already gone or what's available. Like, if I take this guy here, can I get something 70% of that later on? Or is it only yeah. 50% of that later on? And yeah, scarcity plays a really big part of that. Any of and, these guys... Oh, go ahead. And and then in that draft that you were talking about, then like then when you were getting into... Because I, I did watch it back. Then you were getting into like the 80 to 100 range and you were just like chasing assists so hard. Mm. And like Michael Fultz got taken in front of you and... Um, I'm not comfortable if, if, if it was Jalen Brunson or Trey Jones or like these guys were coming off and in the end you were just like Spencer Dinwiddie like he'll do I just need some assist from somewhere like, yeah that's good like yeah, I said, 30 spots high on him we're, we're trying to get points we're trying to get assists we're trying to get blocks inside all inside the first three rounds maybe four rounds and it's it's so difficult to find. Yes, is why Matt, you're maybe maybe you're changing your mind on punting. It's very hard to spread your resources across all categories. You might need to just narrow the focus a little bit, and to just you're really focusing what you what you can and can't get because the multi-category contributors there's not as many of them anymore. 
Well, Josh, maybe that's an argument for another day, but uh, I like your little your little tease there. We'll see about that. Tier six, Rudy Gobert. Again, free throws are an issue. Bump him to tier four. We don't care. Like these are all in the mix, but you know, this his lack of scoring can also be a problem. DeAndre Ayton, block a shot, mate. Or get to the free throw line. Chuck a three up. Do something. He is, we talk about boring players and Tobias Harris and John Collins in the Power Forward show. This bloke, is there any, like, you're a Suns fan, like, can you do anything? Is there anything that we're going to see that changes or gets exciting or improves, or is it just the same uh, 15 and 9 with 0.9 blocks? Like, what what can you do and and one assist or whatever? Like, it's boring. DeAndre Ayton is so frustrating to watch as, as, uh, probably as as a general basketball fan but for me in particular as a Suns fan being the number one draft pick like he's got all the attributes he's big he's strong he's physical he can jump and he can hit mid-rangers and he can do can do everything but then at times he just he looks so shy or timid or I don't know whether it's a confidence thing or I, I don't I don't know but I want so much more from DeAndre Ayton and, and probably the Suns do too and that's why they weren't they were they didn't give him well in the end, they gave him the max contract, but they didn't want him to initially. And he was, you know, um, talked about, you know, being traded and whatever. But yeah, like he went from 1.5 blocks in his, was it his rookie season or sophomore season? And now he's back to, to one a game when, you know, if he got back to 1.5 and got to a steal and got to nearly a three per game, like his his value could just be so much more. He's, yeah, he's just so, so frustrating. This is going to be a terrible analogy, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. He, he reminds me of the way that he plays is the way that when I was younger that, that I used to play footy, I used to be pretty small and I'd be you know, a little bit scared to go, go in hard to a contest and sort of step back a little bit and try and wait it out. And then I grew and got bigger, but still didn't realize that I was bigger and you still sit back. And then at one, one point, you're just like you're going hard and some contact contact comes from the side and you don't notice it and you end up on top because you're actually bigger than everyone now and then you, and then it clicks and you go oh I, like if i actually go in hard like i'm bigger than everyone here and i'm the one who pushes them out of the way i can force myself but it's got to click and i don't know how it clicks for him because if he goes just pushes to the rim who's stopping him like the like the bloke's huge like get in front of the rim you're a big guy you can jump you've got good instincts but it's got to click and i, I don't know why maybe it will and if it does click, like this guy could get to the line seven times a game, hits him at a high rate, he could block 1.5 shots and be a top 20 player. But it's just not clicking. And until, and, until it does, I, I don't believe it. And from a football analogy, and I've tweeted this out before, Josh, like DeAndre Ayton to me, he's, he's Josh Jenkins. The big fella. And you're, you're going to laugh at that. And people are like, who the hell is Josh Jenkins? But he's big and strong and he can do everything and he can six, kick six goals a game and take a pack mark. But then he'll go missing for a month and, and do nothing. Like, oh... Yeah, Can't move on, otherwise you're going to get me all worked up. No more Josh Jenkins talk. Let's talk tiers seven. And this is, yeah, I was really tempted. Jared Allen's in this tier, Nick Vucevic and Alperen Sengun. Allen could easily go in round three just because, Matt, he's a good free throw shooter. He's high field goals and he blocks shots. And when you're looking for him, I almost took him at like 35 in a draft the other day. And that's high. But when I, I talk about tip shows and how to draft... Once you get out of that first couple of rounds, what is too high? Unless you're taking a bloke 50 spots too high, that's too high. But if you go 20 spots too high because you need a certain category, who cares? And he might be that who cares guy that if you want to, if you take him over DeAndre Aiden, no worries. If you want to take him, if it doesn't make sense for you to take Bam at a bio at pick 30 and you want to take Jarrett Allen, oh, well, I, I, I don't think it matters that much. And it, it in some cases, it might be beneficial. Yeah, I mean, he's... 
He's a really nice pick. The field goal is great. The free throw is good. The rebounds and blocks are good. Like it's what we what we want from DeAndre Ayton and and again, you know, it's talking through it with you and and looking at it further. Like yeah, if you took Jarrett Allen ahead of DeAndre Ayton, like I'm not going to get angry. No, exactly. These so we've got these guys separating into tiers, but it's just really like here's ten guys that could all go within fifteen picks if you so cho- chose, or they could go 30 spots later, depending on how things have shaken out. The one guy I'd look at there is Vooch, who's sort of like a, I don't know, I, he can shoot better than he did last season, but there's no real defensive upside in that. So it's like, I'm not sure that we want to push him higher. And then same with El Shagun, who very easily, Matt, very easily could end this year as a tier three guy. Like if he averaged 15 and 10, 1.4 steals, 1.6 blocks, shot 52 with 73 from the line, it's, it's actually realistic. Like, it's not me saying something stupid. It probably doesn't get there with the usage hogs that are Porter and Green. But he's going to play quite a few minutes. Fouls could be a problem too. But if he had a... If he somehow got to 34 minutes the way Jared Allen did, like, he could be easily ahead of this group. Like, he's got everything in... Oh, yeah. He could also average four and a half assists as well. He's yes. got everything that you want from a fantasy skill set. We just need it all to come together. And it is possible, but I'm not taking him in this area. I think that there is a risk of him getting overhyped because people know, you know that I like him and plenty of fantasy analysts like him. And we say his name a lot and then people just keep pushing higher and then he pushes higher. He's already jumped 70 spots in Yahoo rankings and he'll probably jump again and then he'll end up getting ranked at 35 and then no, all the value is gone. But he's exciting. And to me, Shangoon is the next Nikola Vucevic. Like he can do the steal and block and three per game. He can get the, the four assists, the rebounding, and the points and the efficiency is good. Like to me, that's just a that's a top a twenty really player, good, really. It is. It's a it's a really good comparison. Beautiful fantasy game. He's got no competition for minutes. Um, I'm not concerned about the foul trouble like some other big men. I don't think Shengun's in for a huge season. I I wouldn't draft him inside the top fifty, but as soon as you can get out of that, he's right in play and. And he could definitely have a top 40 or top 50 season. People will look at tier eight and say, how can you have Shengun ahead of Pirtle and Valanciunas? But Pirtle, the free throws are a worry, so it doesn't fit everybody. I'm really worried about what happens with Valanciunas this season with Zion returning. He was really good last season, but I don't know how a Zion and Valanciunas front court works together for extended periods of time. Someone has to lose minutes and it won't be Ingram or McCullum and it probably won't be Herb Jones. They need to get shooting out there. So that means Trey Murphy probably has to play a little bit more. Maybe Devontae Graham. I think Valanciunas doesn't play the 31 or 32 that he played in it. Maybe he's 28 or 27. You've just stolen my thunder there and, and I'm writing my sleepers bus and breakout article at the moment. And I've actually got Jonas Valanciunas as a bust and that might seem a little bit excessive and harsh and potentially it is but i feel exactly the same like zion coming back it's a weird fit between the two of them and if zion pushes you know um as a center or they put larry nance or jackson hayes out there and give them a bit more flexibility and a bit more mobility around the court like they're not taking cj off the court they're not taking brendan ingram off the court it's probably not going to be herb jones as you said because they need his defense and then on the bench, yeah, do they need Trey Murphy shooting? Do they need Alvarado's um, defense, especially as a guard and extra ball handler? Like, it just seems to me that Jonas Valanciunas is going to be the odd one out. The blocks have, have come down over the past couple of seasons. Like, he'll still be safe for rebounds and points, and the efficiency is always great. But, 
once again, he's ticked over 30. I think the minutes could come back to 27, 28 instead of the 30 that it was last year. And and all that, you know, I think on Yahoo, he's ranked about 50, which is way too high. To me, he, if he's there in the 80 to 100 range, I'll have a look. But yeah, there's just a lot of a lot of issues there for Jonas Valanciunas. I guess the benefit he brings is high field goals and high free throws, which you don't always get with centers. So again, it's horses for courses. What do I need? What do I need to protect? What do I need to build? What do I not care about? And that might push him ahead of other players, like Jakob Pertl, who's like a 30% free throw shooter. Although he's going to block a lot of shots and grab rebounds, and maybe he plays a couple of extra minutes in San Antonio, or maybe he gets traded and plays as a 20-minute backup somewhere else because they're blowing it up. That's a risk with him too. It's also a risk in Tier 9. Yusuf Nurkic just didn't block any shots last year. One of the most unbelievable lack of block seasons from a guy who in the past has been a good shot blocker. He looked really poor early on. Um, He's still a really good player, and he still does have top 30 upside. I just don't think he's ever going to get back there. Unfortunately, especially with Grant and McCullum, not McCullum, uh, Lillard and Simons in that lineup, he is, I think, a guy that should have it, the ball in his hands more than it should be in Jeremy Grant's. But I'm, I'm not coaching him. And then there's Isaiah Jackson, which is the other side of things. Like He could also be a top 30 player. Matt, if Miles Turner is gone, he's playing 32 minutes a night because he could block three shots a game, hit it one and a half threes and grab eight rebounds with 15 points. And that is a top 20 player or top 30 player. Yeah, so a bit of a bit of um, or a little bit of everything here in in this tier with those two guys, depending on what you want. And again, like ideally, you're not going to want Yusuf Nurkic as just second center, like or second big man. Like you're probably going to want a good center and a good forward, and maybe Nurkic is is your third, um, just to give yourself a little bit of insurance there as well. And then yeah, a, a massive tier um, coming up next. It is. A lot of blokes in this group. Um, Tier 10, Mitchell Robinson, Wendell Carter Jr., Nick Claxton, Clint Capella, Brooke Lopez, Ivica Zubats. I think there's some delineation here. I think Carter and Capella are the clear top guys in this group. I would probably have separated them out personally, but Claxton should play strong minutes. I'm expecting high 20s. There are people who think that he'll play 20 minutes a night and they'll just run with Simmons and um, Durant at centre. I don't think they'll do that, but it's possible. Um, Carter, I think, gets hurt by the addition of Bunkero, the return of Isaac. Like, there is Mo Bumba there, who is strictly a backup, I'm pretty sure. But that limits Carter's... You know, he can't play 34 minutes. He might play 29 or play 30. Uh, Robinson, foul trouble, injuries. Isaiah Hartenstein's a better player than him. Mm-hmm. Don't tell anyone, though. Brooke Lopez is old. Zubats, there's no other centers there, but they've got a million wings who play at center, too. So the upside is relatively limited. Who, who would you say then is the highest upside out of that group? So the highest upside is Nicholas Claxton. I agree. We've got we've got the 23 years of age coming into his fourth season, the stable role, hopefully, strong minutes, hopefully, equals potential breakout season, hopefully. So around the 100 mark of, of leagues, perfect time to pounce. Um, Mitchell Robinson, like like you said, the other when you were in your, in your roto mock and you were just chasing blocks and a, and a bump to your field goal. And then you're like, shit, I've got to take Mitchell Robinson. And it just, even when you took him, like, you didn't feel good about it. No. Um, Wendell Carter Jr., you know, yes, takes a takes a hit in value with Bancaro there now. Clint Capella, like, is it only a matter of time before the Hawks roll out on Yekka Okongwu? Or Clint Capella's one, you know, semi-serious injury away from having his starting role taken off him and Brooke Lopez hardly plays anymore. And Zubach, like, yes, he's got a good fantasy game and, and a strong per minute player, but last season he only played 13 games 
um, where he played 30 minutes or more. And like you said, they're, they're so deep and they'll probably roll out Marcus Morris and, um, and Robert Covington at centre in small ball lineups. So it's, <laughs> it is, it's really, really messy. I think the thing that annoys me with some of these guys, in particular like Wendell Carter Jr., I think he's really good. I've really liked him as a player. Jim Boylan ruined him for a couple of seasons in Chicago. I think he's really good. And it annoys me that the Magic brought back Mo Bamba because then Mosley is going to play Bamba, and he shouldn't. Like He should play Wendell Carter 35 minutes a night and play Bamba 13. But I get the feeling that it might go 28-20 when Carter is a significantly superior big man. Um, yeah, Wendell Carter could end up being... You know, subprime Al Horford from a fantasy perspective. That's the game that he's got. I just think that the re-signing of Bumba, as much as I know that Bumba's not as good, that that means that that puts a cap on what Carter can do. It also, yeah, do they play Bunkero at center? Does Isaac play any minutes at center? So that's I really like Wendell Carter, but all those other factors are maybe he's just that good, and I think he might be. Maybe he's just that good, and the coaches realize it, and the front office realize it. They go, well, we actually have to play this guy 35 minutes or 33 minutes at least and, and see what happens, but I'm not relying upon that. Bob Portis is at tier 11. One talk boring. Like, yes, someone can get hurt, Brook Lopez, and his value rises, but otherwise, yeah, it's very hard to look at a guy and say, I'm drafting him in case someone in front gets injured because, um, yeah, who knows? Uh, Lopez was hurt or was healthy, was hurt, was healthy, and then got hurt last year. Who knows? Maybe he's healthy again. He is 34, 35. But Portis can't do anything really if Giannis and Lopez are starting. No, I can't. Um, and he had, I mean, Bobby, Bobby Portis was really good last season in terms of his rebound and his scoring. And Great shooter. As well. Great shooter. Really turned himself into an unbelievable shooter. Um, but yeah, I mean, Brooke Lopez makes it messy, but I don't think he's going to play much. So, I mean, I'm not drafting Bobby Portis in in standard leagues, um, but a, a, just a guy to keep an eye on, I think. And then we've got the dart throw guys, tier 12. And there are three guys here in particular that I like taking a crack at. There's Walker Kessler, there's Stephen Adams, there's Onyeka Kongwu, Isaiah Stewart, and JaVale McGee. Walker Kessler, I don't know. I don't know whether they're going to start Vanderbilt at center or Kessler at center. If Kessler starts and plays 27 minutes, the top 100, he'll piss it in. Like here, because he will block a million shots. He'll have a high field goal. He'll have good rebounds. And he, he, he can actually ping threes as well. So there's value there. Um, Isaiah Stewart, if he's launching six threes a game, like 15 points, two threes, stealing a block, I don't think he's particularly good. And I think that team makes still no sense, but there's upside in him with the last pick. And McGee, we know what JaVale McGee can do, Matt. Like if he plays 22 minutes, like... He's blocking rebounds, field goal percentage, and even scoring. He can be quite efficient offensively. There's some fantasy value there, but there's a lot of dart throws. Stephen Adams, I just, I, I just can't, I couldn't, I couldn't be less. I love the bloke. I couldn't be less excited about him from a fantasy perspective. And then, I want to hear your takes on a Kongwu because I like a Kongwu. I would have had him third in that draft. But he's been stuck behind Capella. I think he's got top fifty upside. I, I don't think he gets that chance to show it this year. Again, and I like him and. And you're messing up my article because he's going to be one of my sleepers for the season. Um, you know, six overall pick from a few years ago ha- just hasn't had a chance to to show what he can do due to injuries and and playing behind Capella. And like I said, it's only going to take one sort of semi serious injury or Capella gets traded, then a Kongru comes in and starts, and his value will go through the roof. So anyone in a keeper or a dynasty league, um, yeah, maybe just inquire about um, a Kongru. Like you said, with Walker Kessler, those blocks are going to be insane. It's just a matter of, of the playing time. And 
you said if Isaiah Stewart is jacking up, was it six threes a game? Like, what's that going to do to his field goal percentage? Yeah, like, that's that's the problem. Well, it depends. If he hits him at thirty eight percent, he might be at least a fifty percent guy. You're right. That that is an inverse relationship. We saw that happen with someone like a Lamarcus Aldridge a few years ago when he started banging in a lot of threes. That his field goal percentage impact went down, and it ends up sort of neutralizing the overall fantasy impact. It's probably why. Yeah, field goal percentage is a little bit of an outdated measurement of of players' value, but it's it's going to stay in fantasy basketball forever, unfortunately. But it probably shouldn't, because um, those things, yeah, the value of those threes and that spacing is way more important than the fifty to forty seven percent drop in um yeah from from fifty to forty seven percent in terms of field goal percentage. So. It's a weird. It's a weird spot, Centre Matt. There's a lot happening. There's a lot of stuff we're unsure about. There's a lot of players with distinct strengths and tons of weaknesses, and there's just a bunch of like replacementy level sort of players with so many question marks around them, and that's what makes it a tough um, category or tough position to deal with. Thank you for coming on and chatting with all of these positional tiers that we've done. That's all uh, five now out of the way. Tell people um, you've already plugged it a couple of times, but what's coming on Basketball Monster and uh, Twitter? Yeah, so uh, Basketball Monster, yeah, we'll have sleepers, busts, and breakouts out soon. I've already uh, um, dropped a couple of those, but the full article will be out shortly. After that, not too sure. We'll do a couple of live chats um, later on this month and early in the next month. Might try and get a mock draft done with you, Josh, because I want to steal your players, and it's always funny when you crack the shits when <laughs> um, the player in front of you gets gets stolen. So we might try and do that but yeah follow me on twitter at sman sports come and say hello i'll try to answer a question or two as well and um hopefully we'll do this again shortly hopefully we do matt thank you for jumping on and chatting uh positional tears with me thanks uh, again and uh, i'll see you later thanks josh anytime and that will do it for me today don't forget to follow this podcast on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, stitcher spotify and on the odyssey app here on youtube thumb it up leave your comments down below guys we are done here thank you so much for listening everyone Say ya. Uh...